What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, happy Monday to you. This is John of the Macri, of course, coming at you live from the Vivid Seats studio. We have a fantastic episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming up for you. So this episode features Jeremy Cohen, who is uh, once again now a full-time member of Knicks Film School. Uh, just one of several announcements that we're going to be having over the course of the next couple weeks leading up to the season. We got a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff in the hopper. That I I'm not uh, gonna I'm not gonna spill the beans on all of it right now. But uh, if you've been following us for the last year, couple years, and uh, you've liked what you've seen, then I think you're gonna be very happy because it's just kind of gonna be more more things that are in line with what we originally became known for, and we're just gonna make it bigger and better. And um, yeah, so that's all I'll say about that. But uh, Jeremy's going to be appearing, uh, with the exception of next week, going to be appearing on the pod uh, every, so we're going to be recording every Sunday night. So every time you get a new episode of the Knicks Film School podcast on Monday morning, it will feature a conversation between myself and Jeremy Cohen. So that's something to look forward to. And of course, just another reminder, if you are listening to this and for some reason you have not yet subscribed to the Knicks Film School newsletter, go do that. It is 100% free. Uh, we were only doing one newsletter a week over the course of the summer because there wasn't a lot, whole lot going on, but obviously preseason starts today if you're listening to this on Monday. And uh, there's going to be a lot of news and there's going to be a lot of analysis and developments and the best way to keep up with all of that is to subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter, which you can do by going to knicksfilmschool.com uh, is the easiest way to do it right at the top of the homepage. There's a link you could click and uh, just put your email address in and sign up or if you follow me on Twitter. Just go to my Twitter page and right at the very top, there's a link that will send you right to the subscription page so you can sign up there as well. And on that note, is that everything I wanted to say? I think that's everything I wanted to say. Um, so yeah, don't forget, use promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. Need that reminder. Okay, let's get to the episode with myself and Jeremy Cohen. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast with someone who I am going to uh, proudly announce will be my Sunday co-host. A little bit of a Sunday conversation, uh, except you're not going to hear the Sunday conversation until Monday. 
because we recorded on Sunday night. And that is the one and only Nick's Film School's own Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. Basketball starts again. I mean, it started around the league, but for the team that we all care about, starts tomorrow or, if you're hearing this, today. It's fantastic. That's crazy. People are going to be listening to this, and they're going to be watching Nick's basketball on the same day as they hear this. It's been a while. Yeah. And, you know, if you watch the Yankees game over the Knicks game, I get it. Like, I I totally get it. You know, I'm probably going to do the same. And then, unless the bar has the Knicks game on as well, which I really hope it does. But, it's you know, it's like they're on completely two different levels. One team is very close to, you know, championship aspirations while the other is uh, not as close. And, of course, I mean the Knicks are incredibly close and the Yankees are, like, (laughs) not – like, there's just no shot. I'm trying to remember when I was, like, a normal person that cared – I mean, I always cared about the Knicks more, but when I – when I had the um, emotional or mental capacity to care about multiple sports, um, you know, you want to know something that was so depressing? Can I just a quick, very quick tangent? I am, uh, I am a Steelers fan, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. because I think we talked about it a few times last season. And I've been a Steelers fan for a while. I've been a Steelers fan since I was 14 years old. So it's like you know, I have over two decades, and it, it's. Over the last, it really it started, I would say, probably two years ago, but then, like, last year it, it got worse. And, like, this season, it's not that I'm apathetic, but, like, I was in the supermarket for the end of a great game against the Ravens. I'm looking at my phone. I see they lose to their arch rivals in overtime on a, on a field goal. There was a fumble. And I'm like, eh, that's, isn't that so sad? That's pathetic. Like, I'm calling myself out. No, but I'm actually the same way. I used to be – I'm a Giants fan and I used to be obsessed with the team. And over time – I mean, yeah, you know, maybe it's a little bit because of play from the Giants standpoint. But a really big reason why I stopped following the Giants as much is because I stopped following the NFL as a whole as, as much. And I think the reason why I went even more all in on basketball was I just – I felt like there were so many more avenues to enjoy what was going on. And with football, I mean, yeah, of course, the concussions and the way the league operates, those are problems to me. But I think the great thing about basketball, and of course, this is very different when it's the fourth quarter and you're exchanging fouls and you're hack-a-shacking, even if they've reduced it, is you have extensive play. It's constant. It's back and forth. There's so much to look into. With football, I think the average time that they actually play is like 17 minutes. Yeah, it's and not so much. comparing 48 to let's say if it is 17, I feel like you don't really get your money's worth. You know, there's not as much enjoyment. Of course, the games are more significant because there's only 16 of them versus 82. And sure, with basketball, it can be the season can drag on at certain points, but I just it just lost me as a fan. And I think that I'll say that having Eli. At quarterback, was oh. very dull and boring. <laughs> and now that Daniel Jones is playing, I've watched every single game, and I've been available to. And the other two, I was as well with Eli. But that's fine, though. It's more exciting. They're, that's they're fine. in a new era, and uh, I think that's great. And I hope every team can have something similar to that. Yeah, well, uh, I, we're we're about to enter a dark period. I think uh, the Steelers. No, I, I look. I love football. It's a great sport. There's nothing quite like a great. Um, a great football game between two really good teams. You know, spending 
part of your Sunday at the bar um, that has a bunch of games on is you know it's there's there's nothing like basketball can't replicate that unique thing. But I don't know. It's I guess I was I'm thinking of how I guess as I've gotten older. I, you know, you, and you obviously are many decades away from having to worry about this, but you could only get pulled in so many directions, and it's like, you know, you go all in on, on one team and, and watch every single minute and, and think about them probably way more than, than is healthy, and uh, yeah, this shit kind of happens. Well, speaking of that team that we spend way too much time thinking of, so um, I wanted to start today's show by just kind of briefly talking about uh, the format for the podcast this year. So still going to have interviews. We're going to be interviewing, I'm going to be interviewing hopefully one uh, outside guest, like non-KFS person per week. We'll we'll try to get all of the usual rock stars on here on a, a regular basis. And uh, there'll be probably a, a game a game recap every now and then, uh, maybe one a week, something along those lines. And then the one thing that is set in stone is me and Jeremy are going to be doing this show. We're going to be recording it every Sunday night. Uh, the Knicks have, I think we we went through the schedule a few days ago, right? They have about, what, like eight or nine Sunday games this year, something around that? Yeah, yeah just about. Abouts. So anytime they have a game on Sunday, we'll, we'll t- at least touch on that game. But the Sunday show is going to be almost more of like... Um, I guess a weekly wrap up. We'll we'll hit on any important stuff over the that happened over the weekend. We'll maybe dive into some uh, statistical trends or or developments or any player had a significant week or a bad week or whatever the case may be. We'll dive into that on the Sunday show and just kind of use it as a, a way to stop, pause, take stock on what's going on, and uh, get ready for the week ahead. That being said, uh, there wasn't a whole lot that happened this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, has, it was, yeah, which well, I think what, is good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I think it's. It's. I mean, what's the, there was the open practice that happened on Saturday. Um, we could talk about that for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the most significant news is that uh, Dennis Smith Jr. isn't completely a hundred percent healthy. Which, in the grand scheme of things, that's that's pretty. That's good. If that's the one thing that we're we're worrying about right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all things considered, and it seemed as though the like Fisdale was downplaying it, which is nice. Yes. Which um, is I just yeah, I feel like uh, at the position where there's probably the uh, thinnest amount of um, depth, it feels like um, that this is not an ideal situation. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's great in the sense. I mean, there's nothing great about Smith Jr. being injured. Um, it's more like. We will see. Are we sure about that? I, I, I listen. I had to. I had to. Yeah. Are we, no, I, I are we 100% sure that there is nothing good that could come out of Dennis Smith Jr. being hurt? I mean, there are a few things. Like, you know, you kind of just like, well, it, it happened. And we talked about this a little bit in the Knicks Film School Slack chat where I still, I still don't feel that the type of player, the type of style that Dennis Jr. has had um, can lead to sustainable, consistent winning basketball. Um, just historically speaking, it doesn't, it's not really, it's not the archetype of a winning player. And it's fine. He's very talented in terms of scoring and there's more that he can do. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying in terms of there's maybe 
a positive note or silver linings that can come out of this with Dennis Smith Jr. And hopefully he's healthy enough to showcase his new shot because I'd love to see it or really anything that he's worked on this summer and being able to help transition that to the court and help the players around him. Yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. I, 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 1,000%, I want Dennis Smith Jr. to succeed and I want him to succeed as a Nick. And I think, and as I've, I think I've said this a few times uh, in pieces that I've written and I think I've said this on this podcast, I think if the Knicks surprise people in a, in a significant way, which means they sniff you know, extended competition for a playoff seed down into like past the trade deadline, let's say, or past the all-star break, whatever, whatever it is, you know, into March. If they're thinking, if they're like really thinking about a playoff spot into March, I think the reason that that has happened will have more to do with Smith Jr. becoming the player that, you know, obviously got him drafted where he got drafted and and has, you know, had a lot of people still believing in his game over the last couple of years. I guess I'm just, you know, and I'm going to, I've been working on this preseason predictions column and I I, I want to ask you about that too, but what, I, I, there's something nagging me about Smith where I'm like, I just, I wish I had more confidence that he was the answer. And this is going based off of nothing other than like that little feeling in the, like the core of my gut. Like you know when you, you you've been watching the game for a while and you just kind of you get a, a feeling about someone like yeah. do, you, do you have I don't what does your gut feeling tell you about Dennis like put aside all the the numbers and all that shit what does your gut feeling tell you about Dennis Smith Jr. this year? I want it to be positive, you know. I mean, what Knicks fan wouldn't? But I didn't love him coming out of the draft, and when he was on the Mavs, it was sort of thing like okay, well, inefficient, really not the type of player that the Knicks would need right now. I'm still like, even Frank aside, you could say the same thing. Obviously you'd want Donovan Mitchell over both of them based on what we've seen over the past two years. Goes without saying. Right. Um, and then with Smith, it was like, okay, well if there are issues with him playing off ball with Luka Doncic, who is one of the premier young players and who everyone would probably love to play around, that's not very, uh, I'm not I'm not confident with that. It's it's kind of concerning. So then when he came here, my first thought was really, okay, I, I still feel like the Knicks, their primary reason to get Porzingis out was it just wasn't going to work. And yeah. with Smith, I never saw him as a headlining piece. I always saw him as um, exchange in salary, young player who can maybe improve upon what he has done within the last year and a half. But realistically speaking, it's taking a flyer on a guy who is not the future. And that's okay. But at that point is if you feel that he's not going to be a starting point guard at any point uh, and a legitimate one down the line, then he's a backup. And if he's a backup, you can find quality point guards for cheap without necessarily uh, keeping Dennis Smith Jr. You can look for trades and and see what you can get because as we know with Porzingis – your peak time for um, being an asset is your fourth year right before the trade deadline. And I'm not saying, you know, the Knicks should or have to trade Dennis Smith Jr. this year no, or I, next year. But no, there, we're there is ahead of an expiration here. date in terms of asset collection. And if they feel that maybe he's not the answer long term, then you kind of there's an obligation to move him, especially because – and I, I'm, I'm almost going to hate myself for saying this. But we know that the Knicks plan is – 
is flexibility, financial flexibility. I know. We just went through 2019. Yeah, I can't, no, I, I'm embargoing this. I'm, I'm literally, I'm putting an embargo. It was for on... the cap hole. That's it. That's all I'm saying is the cap hole. And that could easily be wiped. You know, we'd be lucky to be in that situation and have it be fruitful, right? I... But it's, more, it's more like, yes, losing him. You get what I'm saying. I don't I get what, to... I, look, Listen, I totally get what you're saying. and it, But the, I think the first thing that you, the, literally the first words that came out of your mouth were the most revealing, which is that you want to be positive, Right. You want yeah. to be positive. You don't want to think about um, having to make the decision. Is he the point guard of the future on this team? I Here's what I'm thinking, all right? Under no scenario, and this is why I asked the, what I'll admit is a patently absurd question about is can there be a positive from somebody being hurt? Because really, that that's not a thing. No, you never want one of your players to get hurt. The reason I asked the question is that Going into the season, I didn't think that there was any way that if they had Dennis Smith Jr. coming off the bench, that that would sit okay with him. Uh, And I just, I think it has to do with his personality. I think he sees himself as a future star in the league. I think he probably sees himself as a star in the league already that is just, has not had the right opportunity yet. So... If you're telling me there's a situation that because he it's and again it's not a serious injury right we we know we know this already Fizz said it's not a serious injury it's been reported that it's not a serious injury it's not related to the back injury that kept him out towards the end of last year I think um, Chris Eisman and a couple other people reported that so given that it's not serious but maybe it's the type of thing that he doesn't get the work in in preseason, like he's not going to be in the game against Washington tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe he misses a couple preseason games. Maybe he misses all the preseason games. If it's enough to have Fisdale starting the season by saying, you know what, I, I, I liked what I saw. I liked the flow of the offense with whether it's Alfred Payton or Frank Nilakina, and I honestly, I, 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 I honestly don't even know if I have a preference for which one I want to see. I don't even care, but just the idea that more of a pass-first point guard will be out there with the starters, and those starters are gonna. It's definitely gonna be Julius Randle. Um, it's definitely gonna be Mitchell Robinson, despite no confirmation on that. Who is someone that you know? should have the ball dumped to on lobs and and what have you. And I know Smith can do that, but I'm just, hear me out. And I think it's going to be R.J. Barrett. And the whole, like, I I know I'm going around and around in a circle, but I guess where I'm leading to is this. My whole hesitation this summer with having R.J. Barrett be a starting uh, player for this team is because he's someone that needs the ball in his hands. And I just don't see him getting the ball enough in a starting lineup alongside Dennis Smith Jr. and alongside Julius Randle. If all of a sudden you remove Smith from that equation, doesn't that help answer that question a little bit? And then, who knows? Maybe the season starts off well with someone who's more of a pass-happy point guard um, in the starting lineup. Smith becomes the sixth man. Like, you see where I'm getting at here? Like, totally. This yeah. could work. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. The only thing is... I still struggle with the idea of RJ uh, of RJ starting. And do you think he's going to start game 1? Yes or no? No. I'm not I'm not saying what you I want. I'm saying No, what do- I, I don't see it happening. 
Really? I think, yeah, I mean, it, obviously it could, right? I mean, uh, but I look at it like this. Yeah, he could start at the two because I still think you don't give Marcus Morris $15 million for him to come off of the bench. I think that there is a sunk cost level to this. Um, certainly he needs to be the best player. But we've also seen last year that there are times where players would be better than than there were times where the starting lineup really didn't reflect the level of talent or it seemed like it was very uh, – there were empty words when Fizz would say, you keep what you kill. And <laughs> you I think? Feel, yeah, exactly, right? Um, so I just don't see Marcus Morris coming here and being comfortable coming off of the bench. And I don't think that the Knicks are really going to do that from an asset standpoint. Look, I, I know that we want them to win and we want them to win this year. And it would be great if they could all do that and exceed expectations. But the reality of it is Marcus Morris is more than likely going to be on the trade block. And if that's the case, you're almost suppressing his value if you have him off of the bench. Just just purely in a vacuum. And I don't – So you're saying Mar- Morris starts, Robinson starts, and um, – and, and Randall. Uh, Randall starts. Okay. That's how I'm, I'm going about it. And so then it's a matter of, okay, well, looking at the point guards that the Knicks have, trying to fit in – Who's the best player? Because I think what really should happen is the best facilitator should be starting. But it's a matter of, okay, well, the floor is kind of not really spaced. And then you wonder who can space the floor the best. And you look at the options that you have. From a point guard perspective, wouldn't be Peyton. Um, Frank, we hope. But based on the last two years, of course, it's not very promising. And Dennis Smith Jr. is not very promising either. So it's it's really hard to figure out who goes alongside them. And then you look at the shooting guard position, you know, like or whatever that position is left that's not main on ball. And it's possible you could have two um, on ball players. You know, I mean, like for example, we've we've long wanted to see Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nielkina together, but I don't know if Fizz feels comfortable with that level of. Youth in in terms of what's starting out, so I'd be shocked. Really, if, right, exactly. Yeah, it's really hard to mix and match the veterans and the young players, and also fitting their strengths and areas of development and trying to mesh everything together. It's not an easy job. Um, I said that I would be surprised if Alfred Payton didn't start, and if he I, didn't start, if he didn't start for game one of the season, I said, I said this on yeah. Uh, and I know, you know, it seems like he has a good chance of starting in, against in the preseason game. And who knows? I'm sure Fizz will mix and match up lineups to see what what works. So there's plenty of time. But there's something about it where, and this was before we knew about Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, it's the sort of thing with Peyton. I think the Knicks are really going to try to win now, and they've got a v- relatively easy schedule to begin the year, and then it gets really hard in the middle of November. I'm all for developing. I would rather see development than wins, but. Fizz is in same tough position, winning or development. If you spend a lot of time developing and you're not winning and then you hit that stretch of hell, and it really is a hellish stretch, then you're looking at a team and you're looking at a narrative that's completely different than what you would want, right? It's so hard to toe that line between working on your young guys and winning and putting the best – putting the most talent out there and yet I know that fans would be really upset if and rightfully so, if it's a team focusing just on winning or pushing that forward, and we're seeing uh, crunch time minutes with guys who 
really aren't going to be here long term, at least two of them. That's a problem. That that siren outside is an ambulance taking away some Nick fans who overheard you talking about how he's not going to play the young guys at the beginning of the year. I just want you to know that. Yeah, you, no, and you have put someone <laughs> in the hospital. No. Well, so the thing is, there's so many young guys on the team that, uh, and I was talking with with uh, Schwinn about this. It's like there's with Bullock out. There's going to be, I think, ten guys or so under the age of, who are 25 or younger, and then only about three guys who are older than that. And it's really hard to mix and match and, and have enough veteran presence to mesh well with the young guys. And I'm fascinated to see what Fizz does, especially in the first preseason game, but even when the season starts, because we saw how many times he shuffled the rotation to begin the year last year. I, one, I, I, I kid around, but I 100% agree with you. And uh, like I said, I'm doing a, a preseason predictions piece that I'm going to roll out over the course of the next couple of weeks. And I'm not going to reveal exactly what my, the prediction is, but I, I, I'm just going to say that I agree with you. And I think they are going to place, they're going to place a premium on wins all year long. I think they're going to win from the beginning of the year until the end. But I think, like you said, they know how important it is to get out of the gate in a positive way because if they start something like, you know, whatever, one and nine or, or two and eight or whatever the case is, like it's gonna the clouds are gonna start gathering. They're gonna be dark clouds, there's gonna be storms, there's gonna be you know, rain frogs and there's gonna be locusts and the whole all of the plagues, all of the things. Uh can we talk about this early schedule by the way? Because I'm very I it's interesting to me that you defined this thing as starting easy because I'm going to respectfully disagree and I, I want to go through let's go let's go through this really quickly so they open with back-to-back road games they will not be favored in either of these games they're, no. in, they're in San Antonio and they're in Brooklyn so neither of those games will be easy um they will I mean would it shock you if they started 0-2 not at all no so then, home opener, Boston. I I I saw the. I very much enjoyed the tweet you sent out before. By the way, um, <laughs> thank. <you. laughs> uh, if 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 they start Robert Williams, by the way, and they have Cantor coming off the bench, I I'm trying to think of how much money I would pay for like week one of the season for there to be a Cantor soundbite talking about like this isn't what I signed up for. I would give. Would I give fifty dollars for that? I might. I would give. I would give something. I would think about it. I would think about giving fifty dollars for that. I don't know. I might. Well, if Taco Fall is bullying him in the low post, and again, it's practice. It that was a is, glorious but, video. But he, I mean, Anas Kanter looked like a man amongst boys, and yeah, I. I feel like we're going to be back in the same situation that he was in before and of course he's got a player option and seeing as how it's a weak market I could see him absolutely saying like Boston's really not giving me the moment to shine that I need and I'm going to go elsewhere and decline or he could be like you know I don't think I get paid this much anywhere I go but I really don't see that happening because we know who Ennis Canner is and we know that a lot of his um, comments are it's all fluff basically we know that the Knicks tanked essentially by playing him more minutes. Yes. And even if he doesn't want to acknowledge that, that's essentially what happened. Um, yes, and then and then 
uh, DeAndre Jordan came along and uh, out tanked him. I think well, he had to get a negative eighteen net rating last year. Good job, DJ. Really, thanks for thanks for contributing. Um, okay, so Boston again. Would it shock you if they started off zero three? I, I no, it, it would not shock me. So then they have Chicago at home. So it's back to back home games. Boston and Chicago. They they might be they might be favored against Chicago at home, but but, but you know, but Chicago. Um, is uh, you know, we'll see. Some people really like them. Um, sorry, I'm just. Did you see Mark Stein just tweeted? According, we got some breaking news here on the pod. According to the enclosed report from John Gonzalez of the Ringer, Rockets ownership has debated Daryl Morey's employment status and whether to replace him in the wake of the pro Hong Kong tweet and the ensuing fallout in China. Could you imagine if the Rockets fired Daryl Morey over the shit? Yeah, I would can. Be, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm, if this actually happens, my God, he would be the most sought after free agent GM. Since, I, I don't even know. Since what? That's like, I, I can't even, I can't think of a situation. Maybe ever, you know, cause a lot of us thought, Oh, Hinky will get a job. He'll do, something again look what he's able to do with the asset accumulation and i think maury is is very much about like i know how to identify talent he's divisive though he's divisive yes yeah absolutely Uh, you know he's he's certainly made his enemies amongst nfl fan or nfl nba fans along the way and he's not perfect by any stretch you know I, i you could make an argument that the rockets would have been in a much better position if they had not traded the assets they had for chris paul Oh yeah, I, no, for sure, hundred percent. Like that, that feels like he overplayed his hand there, and I get why he was doing it. But then giving that contract, and it's you have to give that contract because if you let Chris Paul walk, then you get nothing out of it. I mean, they forcibly got Russell Westbrook, but then, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think no, Moore he's he's walk, he's been digging. He's, he dug the grave. He's yes. it's it's gotten deeper, and I, I'm not I'm not gonna litigate. I don't think we should, we need to litigate Maury's last couple of years, but just like. I don't know if the Knicks ever hired him, and obviously me and you are, are Perry believers. But if the Knicks ever hired him, would you be ecstatic? Would you be happy? Would you be? Would you be like? Were, would you be like? Eh, I, okay, I, I, I'm okay with this. Like, how, how would you, I, I think I'd be somewhere between happy and ecstatic. I'm a, I'm a Maury believer. Yeah, I'd be thrilled. Just I think based on brand recognition alone, that's a big deal yes. when you get. That type of person who makes key decisions. Yes. The, the question would be, you know, what would he be working under Steve Mills or not? Because that was a big thing with David Griffin. Well, that's yeah, and we yeah we we don't have a long enough podcast to talk about that whole <laughs> bag of uh, bag goods. Okay, so let's go back to the schedule briefly. So versus Chicago, let's say they start out one in three. I hope they start. I would sign for two. Obviously, any Nick fan who wouldn't sign for two and two in a heartbeat is insane. Um, let's just let's for argument's sake. Let's say they start out one and three. Then they go four of the next five on the road. They're at Orlando, playoff team last year. Should be better this year. At Boston, Sacramento at home on a Sunday, our first our first Sunday game. And then they go back on the road. They got two days off. They go back on the road to Detroit. Just missed the playoffs last year, but um, from what I recall, pretty handily handled the Knicks in some of those matchups. And then of course they go to Dallas. I so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Like 
they're going to be underdogs in um, at least seven of those games, I would say. They might be underdogs um, at home against Sacramento. So it's like, do, do they start two and seven? Do they start three? Like, if they started three and six, I could sit there saying to myself, wow, that's that's pretty good. And then, of course, right. at, at that point, they have Cleveland, Cleveland at home, at Chicago, Dallas at home, Charlotte at home, Cleveland at home. And then begins the gauntlet that you were talking about, which we don't need to go through right now. But it's like, a, it's basically they play playoff teams for a, three weeks straight. Um See when I, I say easy, what I what I mean is more considering what they have after the first fourteen games, playing teams that are believed to be worse than you on paper. That's fair. That's, that's fair. That's what I'm going after. Okay. Um, because yeah, the, let's face it, the Knicks were the worst team in the NBA last year. None of these games should be easy. They've improved. I mean, we've seen great improvement in terms of at least on paper what they've been able to add, but. I don't think the Knicks have earned the right to at least go in and, and be underdogs unless it's at home against the Cavs, for example. Or You mean uh, um, to be favored? Uh, Favorites, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. They they don't – we haven't really gotten to the point where the team deserves that respect. And hopefully we get to see it very soon. But when you're playing teams that are expected to be – or the t- top two in terms of reverse tanking – reverse tank, uh, standings, that's – that's okay by me. It's it's then where it's like, you know, just all these playoff teams or near playoff teams that you face and it just doesn't stop until the beginning of January. That's where it's like, okay, this is a piece of cake compared to what we're seeing down the line. So let's try to focus on some wins. Maybe we get some things gelling because, again, the if Fizz wants a more complex offense, I'm all for it. But yeah. it's going to take time for these players to gel. And that was another reason why I thought Peyton – starting with Randall might make a lot of sense because last year they had extensive experience together which is going to be huge with all these with all these new pieces you're 100% exactly, right exactly exactly no, so not, you get that PR yeah. factor and there's some sort of continuity there that I don't think would necessarily happen and, and I agree in terms of with DSJ where if he's missing crucial time in preseason you might shrug and say it's preseason so what but if he's not building that rapport with certain players, then he's on the outside looking in and it's only making things harder for him, especially if the other guys are lucky enough to take off in some way. It's it's not insignificant um, by any sh- – I if they started – I mean if they started 7-7, seven and seven, they should build a statue to, to Fisdale. If they if they started 6-8, and eight, every Nick fan should be counting their lucky stars. If they start 5-9 and nine with that stretch – I think I would sign for five and nine right now. Would you sign for five and nine? A hundred percent. And you know, the, the interesting thing with last year is that the Knicks outplayed uh, what they should have been. Like the beginning of the season was great for them. They were nine and eighteen. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that, but that, considering they went what? No, eight, well, they, they whatever went, down yeah. the line. Eight, uh, you know, so forty or whatever or something. Right, yeah. right. So it, I wouldn't be shocked if the Knicks got off to a decent enough start because they're just relying on talent and that the systems aren't really flowing and and they're just basically using what they know uh which isn't much but they're going off of it and <laughs> which isn't uh, much that's right <laughs> so no, i so, love that but it always it, like there are two types of teams right they're the team there's the Knicks team that uh is just flat out terrible or the Knicks team that's like good enough by around the time thanksgiving rolls around or maybe even christmas and then just dies 
And that's the hard thing about the talent disparity is, you know, we, we maybe we're hoping for a much better team, but this is what we've got, obviously. And I could see a decent enough, and by decent, I mean under 500, but not just completely stomped into the dirt team. And, you know, we'll, we'll handle that rough stretch as we go into it. But I think, again, going back to the main point, that is why I could see Fisdale playing for those wins as hard as he can, knowing that if his job depends on it or, uh, you know, at least from if the front office says, hey, hey, let's – we know that development is important. We're still going to work on that. But let's give a little bit more time in terms of the, the guys who want to win. I don't know. I just – I see that stretch, the first one, and then I look at the second one and it makes a lot of sense as to why he would be all in on that first stretch and then worry about the other later. This – this schedule, like I have, I so I have a picture of the schedule on my phone, and it's in two columns. So the first column is October through uh, January fourteenth, and then the second column is January sixteenth through um, the end of the season. And the second column, meaning obviously the second half of the season, is markedly, markedly. I don't want to say easier, but it, it, it there is more – there's much room, more room for – it's like, okay, I could see them winning more games than not. It's like there's a stretch here where it's like Memphis, then Indiana, then Cleveland, Orlando, Detroit, Atlanta, Washington, Indy, Houston, but then Charlotte, then Philly, then Chicago. Houston. So it's like, you know, you got an OKC, a Detroit, a Washington, Atlanta. So it's like – it's like okay, if they were rolling, like you know, they could that that and that to me, that's that's going to be the crux of the season. I think for as much as it is important to start out really good, um, I I just think that this season is going to come down to, you know, it's Christmas, it's the holidays, it's it's right around it's uh, December fifteenth, which is traditionally when. The trade market um, opens up for real in the NBA. Like, what's the mentality going to be if they're sitting there and they're, you know, I don't know, ten and twenty-five? How many how many games have you played by, um, by, I guess January first? Yeah, you've played about thirties, five thirty-six games. Yeah, yeah. If they're sitting there and they're ten and twenty-five or nine and twenty-six or you know something in that range, like can they hold this thing together? And that's I, I don't know. I'm calling it now. I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna be what the season comes down to. Because you could go in one of two directions, like you said. You could go and you could you know end up like last year, or you could rebound and you could be like last year's Hawks. Um, Let's. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the rotation before we go. Um, just just to finish up that conversation. So, your prediction when they signed him, and your prediction now is that Alfred Payton is the starting point guard to, to begin the season. At least that it would be his job to lose. And I think, for the reasons we discussed, the the Dennis Smith Jr. injury, not really an injury, but still kind of sort of an injury news, would. Maybe give it would would only support that a little bit more. Yeah, and I would say the one thing with Frank, I'm, the coaching staff, and we I, all know about confidence, and that was a big thing. I'm not and ruling it out, man. I wouldn't either, but it's the sort of thing where I wonder if Fizz says to Frank, like, you know, you did such a great job over the summer. 
hopefully preseason goes well, here's the ball, you're our starting, you're starting guard. It's not that I don't see it. It's not that it can't happen. It obviously could, especially if they're incredibly thin on more on-ball players. I just – I don't know if Fizz's mentality is still going to be um, – maybe I need to bring this guy along a little bit more slowly. Maybe I, he's not ready to help give me the wins that I need. I don't I, – I don't know. I think it might come down to where they think his shot is at because like you said, you know, Peyton, I mean – and and Fisdale has already essentially admitted. I forget what the exact quote was, but you know somebody asked him about Peyton's shot or whatever, and he basically was like, "Not every player has to be a shooter to be you know a good player." <laughs> um, you know what he said? Look, glass half full. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, and I think you pointed this stat out uh, over the summer, which is that Peyton, for whatever reason, <laughs> hit a lot more of his threes when he was on the floor with Randall. Go figure. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I think if if they if they start Barrett, which I'm 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 gonna predict right now, I think they'll I think RJ Barrett starts the season as a starter, despite everything I've been saying to the contrary. Um in terms of what I what I think should happen. If it's if it's Barrett and and Mitchell Robinson, one is a non shooter, one is a guy who I, I I think Barrett will put up like five or six attempts a game from deep this year. I think he'll be right around thirty percent, uh, maybe a little bit higher. So Let's let's say one non-shooter and one shooter that teams will welcome taking that shot. If if Frank could offer a little bit more spacing, I don't know. I'm not I'm not I'm not ruling it out. I don't think it's I don't think it's that insane. Um, I would love that. I really no, would. well, wouldn't we all? It's just based. <laughs> I know it's we're hoping this is a different Frank, but let's face it. Based on the last few years, nothing gives me confidence that the Knicks will actually start no, him in that I, position. I know, I know. It. Um, I'm going to ask you actually. Let's. We could finish up with this. I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked uh, Chris Eisman, which is that, which is what, what player or players would it, would it absolutely shock you? If they were not in the rotation at the beginning of the year, it would shock I, me if they're not in the rotation. So let's like we've named a bunch of guys that are givens. Like um, obviously Randall's a given, um, Morris is a given, Knox is a given. Uh, I, I actually think Peyton is a given. Uh, I think uh, Randall Robinson. If we didn't say them already, let's put Smith Jr. aside for a second because of the the back situation and even if it's not too serious like let's well, whatever put him aside leave him out of this conversation so other than those guys and i don't know if i said portis i, I should probably well no i'm not even going to include course would it would it shock you if bobby portis was not doesn't come off the bench in game one it would shock me yeah i'd be shocked if portis is yeah okay not so I, I think i agree with you would it shock you if trier like doesn't come off the bench in one of these first couple games I'd be I'd be pretty surprised, but based I'd be shocked. on yeah, I mean there's some positive signs. Like I know uh, Dallas was uh, commenting on, on yes. Trier's catch shoot abilities, and I think that's a huge thing. Also, being able to shoot more threes that'd be great. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't pencil him in as a starter by any stretch on oh, this team or anyone else. No, any no, other team. no, no. I don't. I actually yeah. think he's a safe bet to um, one of the safer best to bets to not start um although i mean if the shot is real i mean that spacing could go a long way 
So yeah, it would it would shock me if true. What about um, what about Wayne Ellington? I wouldn't be shocked at all. You would not be shocked at all. No, I really wouldn't. Interesting. Just if you look at the collection of guys, and again, it goes back to the conversation of what does Fizz want? Is he focusing? How is he going to mix and match these players accordingly? And I think that whoever starts at um, at the two, if again Morris is starting at the three, which I feel he still would. Um, it almost is like who who matches up with the best on ball guard, and if it's going to be Peyton who's starting over Frank, then you look at the two guards, and I don't I don't see who it would be. Um, Bull, uh, Bullock is injured, as we know. Yes. Um, Dotson, same thing. I think with also uh, with, also injured. With Dennis miss Jr. the preseason. Yep. Right. Um, we just talked about Trier. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you could you could possibly start Frank at the two, but that especially if Dennis Smith Jr. Depending on how he's coming back, I'm not sure if that's your best option. You're spreading yourself a little too thin with players. You know, Frank can play off, but you need more guys who can play on. So that's why I look at Ellington. And I think he's a he's a vet who can space the floor. He's used to being in a more backup role, and it's funny because. Um, uh, Terry and Trey, they asked me to. They've got a video coming out, and I don't. I don't want to spoil too much because I don't know what they've got planned. But basically, uh, one thing they wanted me to do was just very briefly uh, talk about Wayne Ellington. And the more I dove into it, you know, I mean, he's he's the type of guy who shot like forty one percent last year from the floor, and he's consistently not been a great field goal shooter. But you look at his three percentage and six of his last seven years, I think he shot over or at least 37% from three. And you look at exactly what the Knicks did this off season as a pivot. They focused on guys who either fit a mentality and, or were really good at shooting the three. And to me, Ellington, he historically plays better off the bench, but if we're just starting off with game one and you've got Peyton out there and you're trying to figure out what other two guard can be there, and you're going for those wins. It just Ellington makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think I would love to see him out there. I, like again, I would. I think it'd be great to see so Frank, you, RJ, Morris, Randall, and Mitch. It's not so much want him to start. Like I, I would want Frank, RJ, Morris, Randall, and Mitch. That's kind of where I'm at right now. It's a younger lineup. Yeah. You, you you do have two of your best defenders out in the court at one time, and you know you don't have to go five on five off. But how are you balancing your defenses? It, it's it's tricky, obviously, but. I think that is a nice balance of it, – it's mostly young, but you're at least getting something out there in terms of scoring, in terms of defense. It feels a little bit more balanced. Um, but with Ellington, it's just – he's a heat guy. He, I feel like there's something about Fizz where he, he so connects he, with that. He came – I actually – because I looked at this. He came to the heat literally right after um, mm-hmm. Fizz left. I That that said, I don't think that precl- – like. It Fizz knows what he has in Ellington, having been or having spent uh, two and a half seasons in Miami. Which so, and for what it's worth, over the last um, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, over the last five seasons, out of three hundred and thirty-three games that Ellington has played, he has started a hundred and thirty of them. So he started uh, about forty percent, a little bit less than forty percent of his games. And he's averaged uh, 25 minutes a game over the course of that time, and shot 30, nearly 38 percent from three. So that's not bad at all. Um, I, I just also want to just to put a. I, I mentioned this in an article over the summer. 
um, which um, because not everybody consumes basketball 12 months a year, uh, some of you may not have seen. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and Alonzo Trier on the court at the same time. Uh, Well, first of all, did you... I, I'm actually hoping you did not see this stat. Did you Did you happen to see this stat? I may have, and I'm completely forgetting it, so pretend I have not seen it. What is your gut feeling? Do you think Alonzo Trier, and I'll, I'll tell you, it wasn't a ton of possessions. It was 311 possessions, so I think it was somewhere around 150 minutes. The, when Trier and Dennis Smith Jr. were on the court at the same time, do you think that they, what do you think? Do you think they were they got killed? Do you think they were just, you know, a little less than even? Do you think they destroyed teams? What what do you think? My gut is that they got murdered. Your gut is that you got murdered? Your gut is wrong, my friend. I'm so glad. Who the hell let you on a fucking podcast? (laughs) Um, But, like, this is where, this is the point where you're at. You're just, like, you're convinced that, go on. No, I, but here's the thing. I expected to find the same exact thing, which is that there's no way those two work together. Again, not the biggest sample size, but... Um, plus 1.7, uh, they scored, uh, 113.2 points per possession. Uh, and actually for those who are like, well, it's probably some unsustainable shooting. Their effective field goal percentage during the, during these possessions was 51.8, which is, uh, uh, cleaning the glass has it in the 37th percentile of all five man units league wide. So it's not, it's not like they were shooting lights out of the ball. Um, but they were scoring because they, um, they didn't turn the ball over. They got a fair amount of offensive rebounds. Got to the line a lot. Their free throw rate was 23, which is in the 86th percentile. So, um, and they the defense was respectable. It was 111.5 points per hundred. Um, so you know, not not too bad. Yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to think to myself if 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 Smith ends up coming off the bench because this thing lingers and you know they don't want to put him out there with the starters. I don't know. I don't think it's that crazy. I could see it working together. You got two guards kind of play off each other. They, you know, one could shoot it a little bit better than the other. They get to the line at will. That could be fun, you know? Yeah. I, I love the fact that they're getting to the line so frequently. I think a lot of it then comes down to Smith with his free throw shooting woes. And that, of course, goes back to. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, that that is the crux of his game right now going forward. But the fact that they're able to put teams in that position, I think, is fantastic. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. Um, Interestingly enough, quite a few of those possessions came um, with uh, with Knox out there as well. Which oh god, any any lineup data you're looking for with Knox from last season, it's just like if you're if you're something better than a minus ten net rating, it's like you're you're doing good. Uh, It's he just yeah he murdered everything. I just I just feel like it's a mulligan in so many ways. Oh no 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 no, totally. I'm yeah I'm high on Knox as as I know you are as well. Um, all right, I think we're I think we're good here. So um uh, oh programming note uh we will we will be on. We're pretty sure we're going to be doing this every Sunday for the rest of the season. That said, we will not be doing this next Sunday because. Uh, well, for two reasons. One, I am going to see a comedy show with my wife. Uh, have uh, Jeremy, have you ever heard of the podcast Guys We Fucked? No, I have not. Okay, well, some homework for you. Uh, before the next time we meet, which will not be next Sunday, it will be uh, the following Sunday, or the next time we, we do a podcast together. 
you should go and download an episode of Guys We Fucked. It's a very funny show. Uh, there's two female comedians that host it. And uh, it's it's not just about guys that they fucked. It's actually about a lot of different things. But So I'm going to see a comedy show with my wife next Sunday night. And you are... What would you say? You had two weddings? I have to go to two weddings next Sunday. That's... That's a, that's aggressive. That's yeah, in two different states, mind you. I have to. So, how are you? Are they? Is one like an afternoon wedding? One starts in the morning. Uh, it's in Massachusetts, and then um, it starts. Hold on, a, a wedding starts in the morning. Yeah, like this. I think the ceremony starts around eleven a.m. and then oh. um, it goes. We'll probably leave around two okay. o'clock, two thirty, and then we have to go to Connecticut because. Uh, some friends of ours are getting married at around dusk. So we've got some time, which is great, but it's also just like we were, we weren't expecting the second wedding until I think about a month and a half ago. We had no idea what was happening. It was great. We got invited. Is it a uh, shotgun shotgun wedding? No, no, it's not. <laughs> they are. Cause that are would two be people. Great. Yeah, no. Uh, the first wedding are young people who've been together for ages, uh, cousins and uh, a soon to be cousin. And then the other they're, one is they're uh, cousins with each other. That's fun. yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, well, the wedding would have taken place in Alabama, but they moved up to Massachusetts. Um, Six of one, half dozen the other. Exactly, yeah. And then the other one is uh, uh, older. They're like around 50 or so. And oh, they've that's got, sweet. They've, if they're becoming a blended family officially. Uh, they're awesome people. Everyone's lovely. So it, it's really cool to be able to celebrate both of those events. But alas, we will not be able to record for your reason and mine. That is – you know, I love seeing the old folks – get together my mom I, don't, I think i told you maybe i didn't tell you this my mom is going to be 69 years old uh actually not this upcoming the, the next weekend that we're going to record uh is my mom is turning 69 she just got married uh what i think a month ago yeah she got married a month ago oh, awesome yeah today actually might or i think her one month anniversary just passed so uh yeah old people you know Keep getting after it, old folks. You know, I support that. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to... Because, you know, we too will be old someday. I'm old right now. You're a child. Um, so I, I'd like to think that life does not stop at, uh, what, 50, 55, yeah. 60? Yeah, exactly. Have you, do you see Step Brothers recently? I, you know, I, I, I know a bunch of people are probably going to get mad at this. Uh, oh, no. Uh, no, I've seen it. I saw, okay, the, okay. I saw the movie, okay. but I saw it once, and I sat through it, and I watched it, and I enjoyed it. I laughed. It was funny, but I've never, I've never had the burning desire. I mean, maybe I should go back and rewatch it because I, it, it's obviously a cult classic. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan prior to like 2010, 11. I think 11. That's when the, uh, the other guys came out. I yes. love that one. Okay. Uh, no, but just the the idea of. Um, oh yes, because they're old, when, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but when Will Ferrell is saying like uh, to Mary Steenburgen, "I'm not going to call him dad ever, even if there's a fire." I know there's something about that with your stepdad that <laughs> I thought you know. Funny. That's that's uh, that's fantastic. So my homework is to go rewatch Step Brothers. Your homework is to go listen to uh, Guys We Fucked. And you out there, you Nick fans. Your homework is to – I should make something up. Oh, you know what your homework is? Your homework is to subscribe to the Nick's Film School newsletter. That is your homework. Go to <laughs> go to nicksfilmschool.com. Um, it is the right at the top of the page. You click on the link. It's absolutely free. We're going to be ramping up the newsletter to 
Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to wind up being. It'll probably change week to week, but it's going to be somewhere around three three newsletters a week, give or take. And um, you're going to see my stuff in there. Uh, Jeremy had something great that was in the newsletter that is now up on the website, which you can find as well. Um, a great piece about the next summer, which I thought was really thoughtful and insightful, insightful and ended with a, a mic drop, which was awesome. Um, Jeremy, anything else you got? I, and now I don't have to ask you if you have anything to promote <laughs> because you're only you're writing and podcasting for for next film school. So, but I'll ask you anyway. Is there anything you what do you are you working on anything? Uh, at the moment, I'm not. I will be hitting the drawing board very soon. Um, but in the meantime, so uh, some friends and I went Dutch on uh, season tickets. Fortunately, we did not get stuck with a full season plan okay. or half season plan, but okay. we have a quarter season plan. That's very nice. And so, uh, so that would be uh, what ten, 10 11 games, games or so. eleven yeah. games. Okay. So um, they're actually really good seats, which is great. They're in the two hundred section, but they're row one. So you have really unobstructed view. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, um, throughout various points in the season, I will be offering to any fans who are interested. Um, but basically, for this Friday, we've got some tickets. If you're interested, um, DM me. You can hit up my DMs. Totally fine. Slide in there. Uh, if not, totally cool as well. We get it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not able to go to the game because I'm going to the wedding and none of my friends are either. So um, if interested, I would love to know. It Can we at least once during the season run a contest that the prize is to go to a game with you? Hey, if if anyone – I mean that should be community service if anything. <laughs> Like the idea of spending time with me and watching the Knicks, like as, as if watching the Knicks wasn't miserable as it was. It's like, hey, you know, your prize is to hang out. It's, with uh, it's, it's too early for that. It's positive, <laughs> positive vibes. Positive yeah, vibes. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, that'd be fun. Or even both of us. If if someone had any interest, we, we could we could figure it out, do something along those lines. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a charity thing. It'll be, we'll make it fun. All right, Jeremy, I've kept you on for far too long. Um, I am going to go spend quality time with my wife. Uh, who has been patiently waiting on the couch uh, doing... I don't know what she's been doing. Hon, what are you doing? Oh, she's reading. That's terribly exciting. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so thank you, Jeremy. Um, It is a pleasure as always. Thank you. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening to another episode of the Next Film School Podcast. We will be back with you with... uh, Definitely have an episode at some point uh, this week. I'm not sure exactly what or when, but it's going to be good. I promise you that. So on that note, everybody have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.